0: Turn with me please to Psalm 96. We want to look for a few moments in Psalm 96. We also have a little bit later on here another um, sweet testimony. But I want to get Psalm 96 and I chose this psalm for two reasons. One because pastors going through the psalms in the morning, morning in this summer series. But also I chose Psalm 96 because while we're walking on the trail... One of the guys asked me, you know, about devotions. What do you do in your devotions? How? Do, what is your your approach? And so I shared different approaches that I've had over the years and what I'm presently um, doing, um, taking a chapter with my D group through Second Corinthians. But I shared with the the one man uh, what I used to do in the Psalms, what I've done a couple times over the years, and I would go through the Psalms and I have it on my closing and looking at each Psalm, what it talks about the characteristic of God, His attribute. What does it speak about as quality? Because understanding, if I can have a big framework of who God is, then that will impact my worldview in everything and all it, and should impact my behavior. So I talked about growing a big view of God and then having that flush out in your life. Having looked at his attributes and how that applies to your life. So I thought Psalm 96 would be a great place for us to look at for a few moments as we look at this one great psalm that, that speaks to this of some great attributes of God. I'm not going to do it justice because of, of time, but let me just try to work through the first six verses. I, look at, I want us to look in verses 1 to 3. A call to praise God. The psalmist says three times, and you'll see it in these three verses, sing to the Lord, sing to the Lord, sing to the Lord. He's calling on the congregation of Israel. And probably the backdrop is when the ark came to Jerusalem because there's um, language that's repeated from um, 2 Samuel 6, 12 to 15, and 1 Chronicles 16 when the the ark was gone and is coming back now to Jerusalem in that same language of praise and excitement. So that's probably the setting. But he's calling on the people here to give praise or to to sing to the Lord, but specifically sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord over the earth, sing to the Lord, bless his name. He's calling on them to focus on God and to sing praises, put together this song and just adore him. You ever, you parents, sing a song to your children uh, just make a song up and you just got this little love song. And I can remember my girls, but I was reviewing this with, with Josie recently. I can remember driving her to school and it's just a song that I came up with and I would sing to her every every morning driving her and just a little love song to her. Then she would sing back and it would be, oh, I love my daddy and her little eloquent. But it's it's that idea here of singing praise to God, singing praise and adoring him just as you look at his attributes and his qualities, just to thank him and praise him. Praise the Lord. I enjoy the outdoors, as as Tim said. Um, I wish we could have stayed longer at um, when we were up scrambling on the rocks or at Hawksbill Summit and just enjoy the beauty of God's creation. I think we stayed about an hour at some of those spots, but just to look and see God's creation and to, to see visibly what God's done and then allow that to just drip into your own life and to think of god's blessings and what he's done um, for us spiritually speaking Um, who is the lord to whom we sing i have this i'll read it just a, a fragment of it god is lord almighty omnipotent king lion of judah rock of ages prince of peace king of kings lord of lords provider protector paternal leader Ruler, ruling Lord and reigning Lord of the universe. He is Father, He is Helper, He is Guardian, He is God. He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is the keeper of creation, the creator of all times. He always was, always is and always will be. He is unmoved, unchanged, undefeated but never undone. He is light, love, longevity, Lord. He is goodness, kindness, gentleness, God. He is holy, righteous, mighty, Powerful, pure, and faithful. And on the, the, this, this poem or this writing goes, just adoring God for who he is. Pausing and being reminded of God's character and God's person and, and how great he is. The so psalmist says, sing to the Lord, bless his name. But look how he focuses in here. tell of his salvation from day to day. But he's saying, bless the Lord. Um, praise him. Um, bless him. This word bless means to, to give praise to. Its "Bless the Lord, bless His name, but what does "name" mean here was well, focusing on his, on his attributes. Um, declare, bless His name, declare His glory among the nations, specifically declaring His glory or blessing His name, looking at who He is and his quality. Slow down and think about God. Think of his person and just adore him for who he is. Think of his characteristics. Think of all of his, of his qualities. Yes, yesterday in prime timers, we often begin, let's begin with praises. What would you like to give praise and thanks to God for? And one of the individuals mentioned, well, I just want to give thanks to God's attributes, to God's qualities, as I just think about his person and his qualities and his attributes and how that impacts my life. That's exactly what the psalmist is saying here. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, bless his character, bless his perfections, bless his attributes. Dwell on who he is. So slow down and focus on God and who he is. And he's calling on the nation of Israel to just... Give forth, but he moves on as he's reflected. He says, now tell of his salvation from day to day. See what's vertical, and when you've thought long enough vertically, it's going to spill out horizontally and make an impact. Our belief ought to change our behavior. So as our belief in who God is and understand his character, his name, and his qualities, he's now saying announce. This, this word declare means to announce, to show forth. I mean, it means to, to publicly declare. So he's, he's gone ver- vertically and now he goes horizontally. Bless his name. Tell the nations about his name. If I were to go around the room, I think we have been saved many years, many of us. Some 40 years, some 35, maybe some longer than 40. The challenge is, is when you have been in love so long or known someone so long, you take them for granted. The psalmist doesn't want that to happen here. He's calling on the nation of Israel Bless his name. Sing, sing, sing three times. And then at the top of verse two, bless his name. Focus on who he is and he's calling on them. He's he's, he's appealing to them. Remember what God has done. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Remember his deliverance. Years ago when our girls were small... I don't know where where we came up with this idea, but to make a shadow box. And we made a shadow box that would be a public display of God's blessings in our lives, directly intervening. So the first box, there were nine boxes. The first box was salvation. And then we just had boxes here where we were in Yellowstone, actually. And Katie just running across the street I'm videotaping, and I, because there was snow across the street, and I hear this shriek of this person and how a car just swerved and how I missed her. I mean, I look at just goes on throughout life, and then there was a, another box that Katie had when she was at the bottom of the pool, and I saw her down at the bottom. I dove in to rescue her. So she like had a a few shadow boxes. But just a point of remembering God's salvation and deliverance in our lives is goodness. Paying off medical bills that were beyond our reach and on and on the story went. God's goodness in our lives. But here the psalmist is telling the nation, tell people of God's goodness in your life. Have a... Maybe Thanksgiving time, have a, we used to play Papa's game where we go around and just thank the Lord for the people there or thank the Lord for blessings in, in your life. Have a, have a Thanksgiving time regularly in our lives. This is what God has done. Tell of his goodness. Declare to other people. Be reminded of God's grace and of God's goodness in your lives. He says here, declare his glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all of the people's. Do we often go back and count God's goodness, God's blessings? It's easy to look at pictures like this or to be at a place like this and you realize you're in the presence of someone greater than yourself. It's a little bit harder sometimes looking at the concrete around, but for me and maybe for some of the guys on the hike, it's just nice to connect and be reminded of God. And I'll often go back in my devotions and I'll think of the places where I've been of God's creation and allow that to remind me of how big and great my God is but we don't need creation we just need salvation to remind us how great God is tell of the nations be reminded tell the people of his marvelous works be reminded of God's grace to you how many of you were once dead spiritually would you raise your hands how many of you now are alive spiritually isn't that something to be reminded of that day when we were dead, we were lost in our sin, we were as deader than as dead gets? Um, we weren't alive and yet God in his grace started to take away the blindness and called us to himself and it all clicked and we cried out Him for repentance. The psalmist is calling for us to be reminded of God's goodness and God's blessings. I've asked at this time if Tara would come and would like to, to hear her testimony. You know, we're, I'm blessed to be able to hear testimonies of people when they become members of our church. And we don't always get that opportunity. We were privileged to hear Justin's a couple weeks ago. Now we get to hear um, his better (laughs) half.
1: Hi, I'm Tara. Some of you know me. Um, I guess you would say that my salvation story is kind of your run-of-the-mill, standard, everyday story. I got saved when I was six years old at my childhood church's vacation Bible school. Um, I was lucky enough to have um, two very godly and generous grandparents who made it their mission to make sure that I was at church Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday for Pioneer Girl Club, which is kind of like Awana. And I was an overachiever even then. I had two sashes for Pioneer Girls because I had every badge in the book. Um, My parents made sacrifices for us to go to Christian school. So from seventh grade through graduation, I went to Gloucester County Christian School down in South Jersey. Um, And I graduated class of 99. I got baptized when I was in seventh grade. I was very much involved in church. I was very much involved in school. Um, And then I went on to Messiah College, where I studied theater and communication. And at this point in my testimony is where I became a statistic, and you're probably wondering what that means. But I recently read a study that, from 2021, so relatively recent, that says that 70% of kids who are raised in the church end up leaving the church or their faith once they graduate high school. And you're probably saying, but she just said she went to Messiah College. How how does that happen? Even at a Christian college, I had my worldview shaken, even by Bible professors. I remember one professor who was a Christian, claimed to be a Christian, and he said, maybe the flood didn't really happen. There's no historical evidence for the flood, and does it even matter if it happened because as long as you learn the lesson God wants you to learn from the flood, does that even matter? So I started to question, and, and my little bubble of my church, my school, my parents, didn't adequately prepare me to answer those worldviews as they came along, even the ones that were quote-unquote Christian. Um, so I started to develop this mentality that, oh, as long as you believe that the flood is real, I don't have to believe that the flood is real. And maybe this part of the Bible isn't necessarily true. And as long as we're all, you know, full of love and, and loving each other and God is love. And, and it was a feeling, it was what what I now know is the postmodern view of progressive Christianity where as long as it feels good, God wants me to feel happy, Right. So I, I, had the, I had the love, I had all the love in the world, but I was lacking on, in that truth that I needed. Um, I don't ever question my salvation when I was six years old. I know that my, my salvation was assured in that moment when I accepted Jesus as my Savior. But from college on, I kind of became stagnant. I did not grow. I saw religion as a bunch of rules that I didn't want to follow. I had freedom in Christ, right? Right? So I did not grow at all spiritually in my 20s, I would say. Um, And then in 2008, my parents were invited by their church to go on a trip to Israel. And they asked if I wanted to come along. And I said, oh, yeah, I love to travel. This is a great way to get another stamp in my passport. So I said, yeah, sure, I'll go. I did not realize that God had bigger plans for me on that trip. And just like you guys on the Shenandoah trip... um, God really used that trip in my life to do a 180 in my spiritual life. Um, There's a reason that you take field trips to places like the Liberty Bell and the battlefields. History becomes alive to you when you're standing right where that action happened. And I stood in the Garden of Gethsemane. I walked the Via Della Rosa. I saw the garden tomb, I saw Golgotha, I saw Peter's mother-in-law's house. These places were real and the Bible became alive to me like it had never ever had before. And and not only that but we visited other places like Yad Vashem which is the Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem and I began to struggle with why did all this bad stuff happen to Israel? Even from Genesis all the way to today, why is all this bad stuff happening? And the reality of Satan's power became real too. Satan hates what God loves. So it makes sense that he's attacking it. And then it also made sense that he would attack me too, right, as a child of God. So I can't say that when I came back from that trip that I was a completely different person, but I will say that I feel like my spiritual maturity ever since then has been in the right direction. There are peaks and valleys, like Tim was saying, in in any spiritual journey, I still have those. But the more I study God's word, the more I realize that he's not concerned about my happiness. He does not care about my feelings. He cares about my holiness and my sanctification, and, and that's what it took for me to, to make that path back to him. Um, and now that I have two kids of my own, that, that's my mission field, and it's, it's my job. I'm very passionate about making sure that their faith is their own, that their faith is grounded in, in reality, and that they have a true living faith, and that they are always ready with a defense to anyone who asks for the reason for the hope that is in them. Um, I don't know if this was an advertisement for the Israel trip or not, <laughs> um, but if you ever have a chance to go, I highly recommend it. I went for the wrong reasons, but praise God, he used it for his glory and to change my spiritual journey. So thank you for letting me share that. And thank you, Pastor.
0: Amen. That was an awesome um, advertisement for Israel. Thank you. But I wanted it because of two things that, that she shared in her testimony. Well, we talk about just great is the Lord and praising Him for the salvation, Deliver the, declare the salvation to all of the nations. Two aspects, not only God's grace and Tara's life and saving her as a six-year-old, and then when she wandered from God, shaken in her faith by, by teachers that, that weren't biblical, um, to be able to bring her back. To himself. God's, God's amazing grace in delivering you um, from your own happiness. <laughs> that was awesome. So thank you very much. Just as we close in Psalm 96, declares his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the people. Look at the next word in verse four. For, for great is the Lord. That word really can be translated because he, he made statements in verses one, two, and three. This is why we should give God praise. First, he declared in verse 1, we sing to the Lord. We should sing to the Lord. We should bless the Lord. We should show forth His salvation. We should declare His glory. We declare His wonders. They're all things that we're supposed to do. Well, well why? Why are we to do that? And now he gives it in verse 4. Because, or for, great is the Lord. And greatly to be praised. Because God is superior. God is superb above all the others. Great is the Lord. And then he talks twice here Then. End of verse 4 and then into verse 5. He's to be feared above all gods for the gods of the people are worthless idols. He talks about these gods. This God that made the heavens that is worthy of being blessed, bless his name and his character. He said he's above all of the other gods. If we understand the gods of, of the ancient world, they were gods that they imagined that presided over one aspect of nature. Or one realm of the world. So you have, for example, the Egyptian god Beelzebub. He was the god of flies. So he was, he was in charge of the flies. Then I think I'm pronouncing it right. The god not, Nut, N U T, good name. Um, he was the sky goddess. And then you had the god Amon Am- Re, he was a sun goddess. Or Isis and Seth, crop goddesses. Or you have the god of Baal that they were to offer to Baal and because, and have rain. And then Elijah defeated them. But but our God isn't just in charge of one little aspect of nature. He's in charge of everything. And the psalmist is declaring that he made the heavens. He has brought salvation to his people. He's delivered them. And then he pushes harder. For all of the gods of the people are worthless idols. Is that word idols can really be translated. They're nothing. The gods of the people, they're nothing. But our, our God is, is not a nothing. So make that into positive. It's two negatives it means that our God is a something. Um, God is, is is not nothing. God is something. God is the God of the universe. So he's just presenting to them, be fresh in your minds what God has done. May we never wander far from that truth that I was once dead. Ephesians 2.1 talks about that for he who was dead in your trespasses and sins, and now were made alive. That now, not only am I made alive, but it's like God, it says in Ephesians 2, verse 6, I'm set aside in the heavens already. Verse 7, for the purpose of declaring His glory. God's done all of that in our lives. Great is our God. Let me just close with with verse 6. Splendor and majesty and might are before Him. Um, All of this belongs to God. God in his His greatness and his majesty and his might. I want to close with one song, indescribable. In this song it just is adoring God as we look at nature. We look all around us at what God has done and his greatness and his beauty. You know, when we think of the universe, it's pretty amazing and I had illustrations but we're, we're we're out of time. That just speaks of the magnitude of the greatness of our universe or just the human body, absolutely indescribable to what God has done. God in his greatness, God in his grandeur, God in his majesty as to what he's made. May we sing praise to you in the quietness of our devotions at home. May we be reminded of how indescribable, how splendor and majesty are before your throne. That you've not only made all of the heavens and made us, but you've brought salvation to our very hearts. You have set us free from bondage to the old man. He's been crucified so that the body of sin might be rendered inoperative, so that we could be victorious and live lives of not enslavement to sin, but enslavement to righteousness to holiness bringing you glory god what a great god thank you for your plan that has included us and god may we go forth not hoarding what we have but telling the nations declaring to the nation the salvation that is so precious to us lord thank you for your word thank you for the testimonies of your grace tonight in christ's name amen